That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Megan. Welcome to Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast. This is it, Alex. It's the season finale. Yeah. Who would have believed that we'll end up this season in the middle of global pandemic, right? Yes. Seems like people are not talking about anything else these days. No, there we'll is, try to. Well, because there's really nothing else to talk about except it's basically the global pandemic and cake. Those are literally the only two things to talk about. Yeah, Alex and I are, I think we're going to stop at one point to show pictures of ourselves now because we're becoming like bears. No, no, I don't want anyone to see then, this. <laughs> and then we're going to shred, Alex. We're going to do the, uh, you know, the, the whole social media before and after thing. That's great. I would like to have a permanent liposuction tap inserted into my love handles and we can just keep removing whatever it is that I'm putting in. This is disgusting. Oh my God. I, our kids are also starting to show signs of crazy. Oh, yes, because um, they weren't showing signs of crazy before the global pandemic. In, in the house 24-7 together. Though we try to come up with fun stuff, yes. the most challenging thing to me with them is to leave them some time to be bored. I think it's, it's a rather interesting exp- experiment for me. personally well under Because normal it, under normal circumstances I I completely agree with you that it is a, a really important thing to set aside time for our children to figure out their own kind of self-entertainment the problem is that now we there's there's no school there's not much else for them to do so don't worry they're finding plenty of time to be bored yes but what they're what they're doing while they're boring that's the interesting experiment for the parent not for the kids <laughs> also for the kids but you know I want to give a tip for these days. Okay. Okay? No. My tip is, after the kids go to sleep, binge watch your favorite comedy with your lover. My, lover. Your lover. I, with by the lover. way, am his lover. After the kids go to sleep, every day we watch Cougar Town. Like, binge watch. It's true. Seriously. Um, and we love this show. <laughs> and we laugh together. And I think it's very, very important to laugh. Don't forget it. Don't... be all over the news all the time. Oh my God. It's not Listen, healthy. All right, that's my tip. My tip is for God's sake, don't watch television news. Don't consume news via social networking either. You know what? Like I read the newspaper every morning, but that's it. Once a day. Because guess what? These numbers of the number of people who have the virus, the number of people who have died, all of that kind of stuff, keeping track of that throughout the day achieves everything. Absolutely nothing for you except for driving you insane. Get away from it as fast as you can. And one thing that you can do while doing nothing all day is download the Season 3 Cheat Sheet of Daddy Square at daddysqr.com. Um, you know that every season, at the end of the season, we prepare some sort of a cheat sheet of topics we discuss, some exclusive materials and so forth. Um, we have one for you waiting right now at daddysqr.com with some exclusive articles and resources that related to topics discussed during the season. And that's true. And in addition to that, uh, Jan last week already posted a, a list of great activities to do while you're shut away in isolation. Please check that out at daddysqr.com. DaddySQR.com Today we're talking about coming out after you had kids with a woman. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's more like uh, uh, people who have advanced in their lives to the point where they they either got married or they or they to had women. or to women. That's right. Sorry, and had children, and then after that, um, you know, determined that they had to come out of the closet and change their lives. And yes. it is a, a really amazing uh, two interviews. Yeah, we have two amazing stories from two brave men. I say that they're brave because not everyone will agree to expose their lives this way on national, I don't international, even, I mean, global podcast. Going on the podcast is brave, sure, but I don't actually think that's the brave part. I think what they did in their lives is brave just by itself. Yes, you know, that's true. because one things that one thing that we don't do very often, we gay men who came out of the closet a long time ago and you know blah 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 is we don't realize how many people decide that they're going to do what these guys did, but they do it for the rest of their lives. I mean, we have so many people who uh, in the world who who are they're 30 they're 40 they're 50 they're 60 they're 80 years old and they're still in the closet and they've never gotten yeah. to live their lives the way they had wanted to and this is the height of bravery what these guys have done that's true and it's also the the further you go on that road of getting married to a woman having kids and deny all of these things the the harder it is for you to come out i think and you know what? So British TV host Philip Schofield came out a couple of months ago, and I think it raises up the whole discussion about uh, closeted uh, straight men. Yeah. Can I say it that way? Clo Clo well, closeted men living straight lifestyles. I mean, I don't think that, you know, ma many of them, when once they come out of the closet, will say, I was never straight. Yes, I was that's just... Right. Yeah. I think that sometimes we tend to forget all the struggle that goes along before coming out. Yeah. So I have a very special place in my heart for people who are still in the closet and suffering. And, you know, we have a tendency to really beat up a lot of these guys who, you know, Schofield was always, you know, pro-gay and very supportive and very, you know, progressive and all that. But there are so many um, politicians and leaders who are anti-gay and homophobic and they're in the closet themselves and then when they come out of the closet we beat them up we're really angry at them and you know what i i guess i i give them a lot more latitude because i understand the the pain that they must be enduring staying in the closet yeah we talk a lot about about acceptance of gay dads on our show but this is about self-acceptance more than about the self the acceptance of the society yeah, I think. And the relationships that you had, especially with a, a wife or somebody like that right. beforehand. All right. The first uh, interview, the first story that we're going to hear is from Cade. He's from Oregon. Um, let's go to the interview. Not before. Alex will lead us for the last time with our sponsors of the season. Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast Season 3 is sponsored by Love is Family by ORM Fertility, your gateway to fatherhood. Research begins at loveisfamily.com. And ORM, we want to thank you for being our sponsor totally. this season. Thank you, ORM. Kate, hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? We're good. Um, we want to talk to you a, a little bit about your story. Oh, let's see. Um, <laughs> That's a good sigh to start with. Uh, yeah, it's a story. Probably in 2005, 2006, that's when I had started dating men. Um, I was still in school. I, I'm, in, I'm in a small community, so it made it really difficult um, because closed-mindedness, it's, it's an old country town. Everybody's a cowboy. 
And so I had to really, I mean, I had to keep it under wraps. Right. Um, none of the relationships lasted. I opened myself up for being taken advantage of. So then, you know, I kind of was like, well, if this is the way this is, I don't know if I want anything to do with it. Right. Yeah. But back then, back then I'm thinking, oh, you know, this is a choice. No, it wasn't. So. <laughs> if I may ask before you go any further, so how did you, if you lived in a small town, um, how did you meet these guys in the first place, especially back and then? And how do you keep it, like, well, quiet? Yeah, I mean, what was the, what was the, I'm trying to remember the freaking web connection, oh, connection dot I don't com or org was that old, <laughs> old gay dating platform that was kind of in the, dark woods of the internet, you know, okay. and, you know, there were a couple guys that was like, you know, go to the county fair. And, um, one of the guys was like a jock. Um, and you know, we're like showing, I don't know. I think I was showing pigs or something. And, uh, he was, he was this, you know, all the women were just, Ooh, uh, uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> saw me and you know, he just, he's like hanging around just like trying to get to know me and stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, I got a crush on the guy. I mean, shit he's hot and so and he's showing like, well, pigs i mean how can you go wrong <laughs> well right yeah i mean <laughs> country boys you know tight wranglers all those things and uh you know one thing led to another and i think like we were under the bleachers or something fooling around and i was like oh okay okay but um you know and then finally it got to the point where it was like you know i hid all this and i feel like i'm lying to my family so i finally went to my aunt who i always considered to be a very open-minded person and i was like in tears And I was just like, finally let it out. And I said, you know, I'm gay. And she's like, oh, honey, we knew. Who was My we? entire family. Oh, wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. And so it was like, oh. So I finally told my family. And they're like, yeah, we know. We wow. Know. So I'm like, well, you know, this giant weight had been lifted. So I had this really close friend growing up. And we'd been friends since kindergarten. I mean, we're just basically family. Mm -hmm. And I never had an attraction to him. But, you know, he's just my buddy. And so I was like, well, he needs to know. So I told him, and his response was, get the hell away from me or I will hang you from a tree. So back in the closet I went. Um, I dropped out of high school and moved away. Um, went to Idaho. Um, met a guy there. Um, we were in a relationship for, I don't know, a year. Um, none of his family knew he was gay. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I did the, you know, I, I was so excited about this relationship that I overstepped my boundaries and ended up telling his mom Ooh. that we were in a relationship. Ooh. Now she's like devout Catholic. She flips her shit. He finds out from her and he flips his shit, kicks me out. So back to Oregon, I came because I didn't have anywhere else to go. Mm. So I came back home and that was basically it. That was... That was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with this lifestyle. I don't, you know, I am not gay. I will change, you know. I will, you know, you know. I'll tell everybody that this was just a giant lie, you know. And so I did. I told everybody it was a joke, including your family, including your aunt. Exactly. Wow. So I told all of them it was a giant lie that I lied to everybody that I'm not really gay. That you know, it was a bet. Somebody paid me money to come out and tell everybody I was. And they basically looked at me like, no, now you're lying. And so in 2009, I went to a Chinese restaurant and I walked out of the bathroom 
and I saw this woman and, you know, I asked her, I said, would you mind having lunch with me? You know, I just walked down and, and she said, yeah. And wow. so she got kicked out of her parents' house because she got a cell phone and her family is extremely religious. So they believe this was like a gateway for her to like find the real world or whatever. And so are they, they, they are they her, Mennonite or, or something or is it? No, just, they okay. are Baptist. Okay. All right. And so, you know, their, their opinion was that women are not to have employment outside of the home. Their job is to have children, uh, not to wear any revealing clothing, no education. And so these are all red flags that I totally ignored because she had said that she got away from that, didn't want anything to do with it. And, uh, we met in January and we were pregnant with our first child and married with, by August. So she was pregnant at the wedding. Um, anyway, her parents, you know, when they found out we were living together before we were married, they, you know, had the church come and write letters and send hate mail to the apartment and said that we were excommunicated. Well, she was excommunicated and, um, they didn't even come to our wedding. Her parents didn't even come to our wedding. You sort of succeeded in pushing the sexual, uh, draw to men, just kind of pushing it aside. Oh, I killed it. Wow. And did you have any so, help of somebody doing that or did you do it all yourself? She knew. She knew. So before we even got married, I told her. Oh. I have I have been with men. You oh. need to know I have been with men and that I find men attractive. Okay. And her response was, well, we'll just pray it away. You just pray it away. You know, it's not a, she's like, it's like being an alcoholic. You know, you can have those desires to drink, but you right. can control them and not act on them. Right. Did you? And so I, I believed it. I I had somebody that was very close to me that was almost like a mother. And she, during my marriage, um, she was, you know, she's very religious and she kept me in track. You know, I'd go to her and say, I'm, you know, I'm having the ceilings for sin. My marriage is on the rocks. And, and she'd do the same thing. You know, you just got to lean into God more. You got to pray more. You got to, got to, got to. And, uh, um, when it finally came down to it, you know, and she said that this was a choice, you know, I kind of lost it. And I said, who in the hell in their right mind would choose this shit? Right. With all the baggage and the crap and the threats and the, even the murder that happens, who would choose this? Why would anybody want to choose that? You have just you have just by the way alighted upon the most basic logic flaw in homophobia that exists. It's like really it's like really why would we want to do this when it would be so much easier not to do this? I'm totally with you. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I was married for 9 years. Um, we were together for 10. And I really I did. I killed all the feelings because basically at the point I was like I made vows you know, I made a promise. I'm going to stick this out, whatever, whatever the cost. And the cost ended up being abuse. Um, she would, she was so unhappy because I wasn't fully into this marriage. I was fully into being a father, but even I was avoiding my children to avoid her. Uh, and so it just, it just got strained. And so she was like, well, why can't you be like so-and-so? And I remember, I well, remember why, when why, we, why can't you be like so-and-so because of what, in what form, uh, what was making, well, it was, she was very materialistic. 
So basically what it came down to is why can't you be like so-and-so's husband that brings in more income? Ah, so you know, not, why, why, so not particularly, yeah, why can't you take us on vacations? Why right. can't you buy us nice things? It's like, right. So not, not particularly yeah. anything that was tied to the sexuality element, just a marriage right. that was otherwise not going well. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. We finally decided to separate because things had gone. It, they had gotten to the point where the kids, when they heard either one of us raise our voice, they ran upstairs and hid in their rooms. Oh. And so I finally told her, I said, look, we can't do this together. So we need to separate. And uh, she walked in front of me while I was saying this, while I was sitting on the couch, and she looks dead square at me and she says, I would rather these kids were dead than you be their father. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we separated. Um, she, I found her a house um, in town. She moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we started talking again, just making light conversation. She didn't make any changes. She was still angry and bitter. And uh, as what, know, what, what happened, been, what, hap- what happened with the kids at that moment during the separation? They went with her. Okay. Because um, I was working full time. So they yeah. went with her, and then I would see them. I'd go visit them. Right. So while she was separated, she met this man um, who basically preyed on her vulnerability. Mm. You know, she said, I cut it off. We're not talking anymore. Yada, yada, yada. I still love you. I want to work through things. And I said, okay, you know, I forgive you. I said, but we need to get into counseling if we're going to stick through this. And so uh, I set up counseling appointments. She never showed up. Mm. And then come to find out she was still seeing the guy. Right. Um, and so, you know, she filed for divorce. We divorced. This all came down, um, you know, and finally got through it all, did all the things they needed done, um, finished with all my classes, got, you know, got the kids, you know, got my own place, got all set up and, uh, started seeing the kids more. Um, and then the happier I got, the angrier she got. Yeah. Right. So then it, then it started being, let's use the kids against their dad because that's all I have right now to control him with. Uh, mm-hmm. Forgive me for prying, but, you know, it's a prying kind of podcast. Um, do, do you want to know if I was seeing men? Uh, yeah, first of all, I just want to know, were, <laughs> were you seeing any men? Like, was there that kind of, I'm out of this marriage, I need to, like, get my have a have a life, have some fun. Did any of that happen, or were you still in that mindset? Oh. <laughs> In the beginning, no, I didn't, I didn't see anybody because I was, I knew I was in a state of depression about all the events that took place and I wasn't going to be able to enjoy any kind of interaction with anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I basically hit off to myself to try to get through my shit. Right. Um, finally went and saw a therapist, you know, I said, I need something to get me through this because I'm not doing well. Right. So I was put on antidepressant for a while to kind of get over the hump. Um, and, and this therapist, good. Now this is important too. This therapist uh-huh. was, was nearby, was where you lived. Yes. Yes. And yep, was, and was this therapist an open-minded, uh, progressive, um, I don't know what, <laughs> or were the, you, you, you know, you understand my question, like how helpful could they be, uh, addressing the bigger questions? The therapist I had when I, during the beginnings of uh, divorce was the same therapist that I had when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Okay. And so he, he, he was the one I went to about being gay. He was, he was 
a month away from retiring when I started singing it again. And so he finally retired and he's like, look, I'm going to, with your permission, I want to get you into somebody else. Um, there's a younger guy that's coming in, um, and he's a therapist and he wants to help people. And, uh, he's trying to build a rapport with, you know, locals and stuff. And, and, uh, I said, no, absolutely. You know, I'm all open for, you know, seeing somebody new or talking to somebody new. And, and, uh, so we did and set up a session, you know, <laughs> our first session, I remember walking in, sitting down and, and he's like, so what's up? And I finally told him, you know, I, I said, you know, I'm, I'm gay and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to be. Right. And, he, and he, he's like, well, who the fuck knows how to be anything? And oh. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's wise. That's a wise <laughs> yeah. statement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's like, who, who, he's like, you find me somebody who's perfected life. And, you know, he's like, and I'll quit my job. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we just built up this huge friendship. Right. And it was just like somebody to finally talk to. And he's just like, he's like, dude, just be happy. Fuck everybody else. Be happy. And I finally got to the point where it's like, you're right. I don't care. I don't care. So, um, after I started seeing him for a while, then it was like, you know what? I am, I am going to go date guys. I'm going to. And so I did. And I went out and I dated a really nice guy for a while. Um, but I was so scared to death of my ex-wife ever finding out. And so I dumped him. And so then I went back to dating women Oh, to make my ex-wife happy. She didn't know about me dating men. But when she found out I was dating women, she sends me all these messages saying, you're not allowed to date this person until I meet them and approve of them <laughs> and all. That's the yeah. job. That's the job of your mother, not your ex-wife. Come on now. Yeah, exactly. So during this whole time, how were the kids with you? They were upset. Now, they were upset. Now, I will admit this, and I think anybody who is going through a divorce or a separation needs to hear it because a lot of the time we get so caught up in our own emotions that we fail to see how we can negatively affect our children. And the fact of the matter is it's you divorced or you left your spouse. Your kids didn't choose that. And so with me in the beginning... I was so upset about the reputation of the man I had heard that she was dating that when I got my kids, when I picked them up, I would sit there and ask them a ton of questions about what was going on at mom's house. Don't do that. <laughs> you, I mean, a lot of people have to understand, unless there's an absolute threat to their well-being and their, their lives, you need to butt out. If you were equally able to care and love those children together, you need to understand that you, the other parent can do the same thing without you. Right. Um, and that took a long time for me to realize until finally my oldest said, dad, I'm done being questioned. Yeah. And it was like, God, I'm, I'm because the kids started to not want to come visit me. They wanted to stay with their mom. Right. And I couldn't, I had my blinders on and I couldn't, well, I'm doing everything right. You know, I just, I want to know what's going on. You know, I just want to help you. And it was like the light bulb came on. I was like, no. You aren't spending time with your kids. You're spending time worrying about what she's doing. Right. You know, and if you want the same respect, you have to give that respect. So I, I finally, I just said, you know what? Enough's enough. When I have the kids, it's the kids and I. Right. And then the relationship just blossomed. You know, they just wanted to come see me more, spend more time together because it was just them and me, um, just being, you know, parent and children. 
I, I assume that at the end she found out about you dating other men. So that's, yeah. I mean, down the road. So I finally met my partner and there wasn't one single ounce of hesitation about telling my family and coming back out and coming clean yeah. and being who I was when I met him. Right. It's the pressure that says if you're going to go through this horrible thing of telling mm-hmm. everybody you're gay, it has to work out well. It can't be bad exactly. gay. It has to be good gay. Mm-hmm. I know. Exactly. That's a, it's a, uh, understood. And I think that the pressure for you on that same subject is a lot higher than it is for a lot of other gay men who live in areas where I can totally relate there are tons to of that, gays. I'm not one to stereotype or anything, but there was a lot of there's a lot of gays that were in the eras of me trying to navigate this that made it to where it was like, God, if that's what it is, I don't want it. Right. Yeah. You know, it was the overly perversion and stuff. And I had kids at that time. I mean, if I was a young teen, it's like, well, hell yeah. why not go party free love. So but then it was my kids. Right. So your wife found I, out and then, and then what I happened? told her, okay. Yeah. So we ended up getting in a relationship. So I, Um, I was like, you know what? Enough. I'm not going to hide this anymore and I'm not going to let her control me and I'm not going to let her be in charge of my happiness. So I messaged her and I said, the kids are going to end up meeting somebody that I'm in a relationship with and I want to let you know because we are going to need to talk about it. And she said, okay. And, uh, I said, I'm fully willing, you know, I'm, I said, they're fully willing to talk to you, get to know you. And everything. And I was kind of testing the waters. And she said, they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I said, and so I said, yes. Um, you know, and she said, well, how do I get a hold of her? And I said, I never said it was a woman. Ba, ba, ba. Said, yeah. <laughs> so she said, okay. Kind of got to the point where it's like everything you say and do can be used against you in the court of law. I use that still to this day. Anytime yeah. we talk. Got right. So I gave her all the information and she said, she said, this is going to break our kid's heart, but okay. And I responded back and I said, actually, if we come at it from a place of love and compassion and not condemnation, they will be just fine. And then I think it was the next night at like 1130 at night, I get a message And it says, I'm very concerned about the fact that you are going to tell our children that you're a faggot. No. And that's the message that you guys saw that I yes. posted. Yeah. Where, where she dotted out faggot. Couldn't even spell it right. Um, and it's like, are you really that cowardly that you can't even just come right out and say you have to blank it out because you know it's derogatory? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't really understand it. And I said, excuse me? And she said... Our children attend a private Christian school. Do you know how humiliating this is going to be for them? And I wasn't very, I should have just ignored it, but I ended up saying probably no more than the fact that their mother ran off while she was still married and had an affair with a married man. Well, I think touche is in order, yeah. first of all. <laughs> how old were your kids at this point? This was... A month ago. My oldest boy is nine. Okay. And my daughter is seven. Okay. And my youngest boy is going to be four and on. Got it. Thank you. Uh, Daniel ended up moving here to Oregon um, from Kansas. 
And, uh, you know, I told him, I said, here's the deal. I said, don't worry about anything she says, you know? Right. And I said, but I have three children I have to look out for. I want you to just build a friendship with them first. And then we can tell them right. that we're in a relationship. That didn't go too well. Um, and it wasn't his fault and it wasn't my fault. We were hanging out and my oldest is very tech savvy. Mm-hmm. So he asked Danny if he could look at his iPhone watch. And I hadn't, I've never had an iPhone watch. I've got an iPhone, but I've never had a watch. So right. he's playing with this and he walks up to me and he shows me the watch. And on the watch is a screensaver that Danny and I made that was just a picture of us side by side. And underneath it, it said, we are family. Uh-huh. And, and my son walks up to me, shows me this picture. And he says, awkward. <laughs> And I was dumb. I was just, oh, my heart sank. I was like, oh, God, how do I even? So I said, we need to go in the bathroom and talk. Got it. That's the best place to have these conversations anyway in the bathroom. Yeah. So we went in, and he sat down on the edge of the tub, and I sat on the stool. And I told him, I said, you know, I believe in God, but I don't believe that God would hate anybody or send them to hell for who they love if they still love God. You know, and the kids were raised Christian, so I'm trying to, you know, express this to him on that level. Right. And my daughter and my youngest are not at the age where I feel like I can tell them and not have them really grasp it. And, uh, you know, my oldest boy and my daughter are going to be 10 and 8 in this month. So he he's always been very smart, and he knows what's going on before I even tell him. And so... I look at him and I said, so what if I told you that Danny and I are in a relationship? And he looks at me and I was like, oh God, here we go. Here come the questions. And I said, what would, what would you say if Danny and I were in a relationship? And he said, I, I think that's just fine. He treats us really nice and he loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's good stuff, man. <laughs> and I just, oh, I bawled. I bawled. I'll I just held, did. I just grabbed him and I held oh. him and I was like, you know what? That's, that's love. That's what, I mean, these kids are going to be fine. And so I told him, I said, okay, I don't want you to lie, but I do not want you to tell your brother and sister until it's, you know, we've gotten to a point where they would understand because they won't like them. Right. And he understood. Um, but the, you know, the kids just instantly gravitated to him. They love him. They hang all over him. They play and they talk and, um, he's the same height as my nine year old, which is kind of funny. Um, but you know, they just, it was an instant connection this instant bond. And I, and that's when it was like, you know what, when things fall into place, you just know it. You just have, you just know. And my family, you know, I told them, you know, I told my, my mother, you know, before Danny got here that we were together right. and she looked at me and she's like, it's about damn time. <laughs> oh, you don't know, you hate it when your mother is right? Oh, I, I despise it. It's the worst. Um, it is. It's a slap in the face. It's like, yeah, I know you don't have to rub it in my face. Um, but what it came down to is just the fact that she finally just looked at me and she said, you know, she said, this is exactly why I did not. She said, 
She said, your girlfriends that you brought to visit probably all think I'm a raving bitch because she said, I didn't want to get attached to these women, you know, and then know in my heart, you're duping them. You are duping them right. and you're going to break their hearts. And I can't get attached to somebody and then have you finally one day come to terms again, maybe even years down the road after you've married them and had another life and come clean. Wow. And she was absolutely right. She was absolutely right. And send your mom our you love. <laughs> Seriously. She's amazing. But, but tell her that she's got to be wrong about some other things. I mean, she, she can't she get it all wrong. right all the time. Oh, she's, she's wrong. I mean, yeah, she's wrong about love. Okay, good. But good, I, good. Yeah, but I don't ever tell her that. Of course not. Well, she may, you know, yeah. you may want her to listen to this. We all, I think we all put, you know, narrate this story in our mind to how things are going to go. And we always go to the worst possible scenario before we could think of, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, well, what if this happens or what if this happens? And instead of looking at it and being like, well, what if this happens? Right. You know, you know, you have to look at it from a different aspect. And I find, you know, I had never come out on social media. I had never told anybody about my private life. And then I finally just did. I finally just posted it and said, here I am. This is me. You know, I'm happy. And you can either choose to stay here and be happy with me or for me, or you don't have to. Right. I'm not going to force you. We are, we are definitely I, I, happy for you. <laughs> well, thank you. you, guys. <laughs> and I'm happy for you guys, too. Thank you. Know, I'm thank happy you. That Kate, yeah. Kate, thank you so much for sharing the story with us. It's really inspiring. And uh, we'll definitely keep in touch to, to see... How it's going. Yeah, and listen, you, gotta, you and your boyfriend got to schlep out to Los Angeles. Trust yeah. us. Come visit. Absolutely. All right. Cade, thanks again. Thank you. All right. We're coming back from the interview with Cade. It's me, Jan, and Alex is with me. Oh, yeah, that's me. And the Gay Dads podcast, Daddy Squared. Um, I have to say... The hero of the story, except from Cade himself, is his mom. He has an amazing yeah. mom. And, you know, the whole family is amazing. I think that what was really clear to me in the whole story, and a little bit sad, is that it was, it was more self-homophobia of Cade rather than his family's. Well, and the environment. I mean, I actually thought that, too. I was so fascinated by how he had parents who from the outset from early on were supportive of him as a gay man or mostly supportive yeah. of him as a gay man the whole family's aunt too but right but the community that surrounded all of them made him feel like he could not live his life that way and yeah. uh and this is why he came out and came back in yes and this is actually i think it's demonstrates the struggle like i want to do it i can't i yeah. want i can't like And I think that the um, key point is that seeing the right therapist, like in the minute he got into the right therapist with a, who was not a Christian yes. extremist, yes. right? Uh, and a regular therapy. So I think that's the point where things have start, started to change for him. And I, I want to highlight that as in, well. In his case, yes. I, I feel like it's really important. Um, Jan is very, very pro-therapy. And so am I. But I want to really make sure that everybody understands we're not suggesting 
you can't do this and do this right without therapy. Yeah. Of course you can. You need the support of friends. You need the support of a community. Uh, but therapy is one way of, of arriving where you need to get in your life. It's certainly not the only yeah, one. Yeah, I think that therapy is more about the self-acceptance part. It's not. It can't control other people, but it can control the way you feel about you. Sure. And, it's certainly and understanding assists. who you are. That's all therapy is. It's just study of self. That's how Agreed. I see it. Um, another thing is that the thing with the unsupportive wife, which basically abused him, right? Yeah. He was afraid of her reaction. It was un- antici- not anticipated. Yeah. Um, so the wife plays a key role for these men. Yeah. And it, by the way, remember, it's remind me that uh, last night we watched Cougar Town, one of yep. the episodes that we watched. Uh, they talk about how people who are considered lucky are people who not only marry the person they love, but also marry their best friend. Yes. So I think it's really, it's a, it's a very key important because if you're really friends with, with your wife, maybe there is a way to come to a point where everything's going to turn out fine for the both of you as co-parenting yeah. as family. And I think this is the next interview that we're going to come. What's wrong? What's wrong? In this first interview, uh, we're seeing an example of a straight marriage or a marriage to a woman where when it came apart, the ex-wife was not supportive, not supportive at still all. still not. But you know what? I'm, I feel like it's important for us to recognize something here. There is a lot of suffering that goes around when people go through their lives in the closet, and the suffering is not exclusively Cade's. So, uh, you know what, maybe it'll get me in some trouble, but I don't know this woman. I don't know what her life situation really is, but I have a hard time thoroughly blaming her for the sense of betrayal and the sense of embarrassment and shame and everything else that she has gone through. So I would give her a little bit of latitude that to recognize what she has gone through as well. Um, this is ev- a lot of damage was done. All right. I'm totally Team Cade here. I'm sorry. Well, of but course, I'm uh, Team wait, 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 wait. I'm Team Cade too. But we have to recognize that there's a lot of, of collateral damage that occurs around uh, people who I, live their lives I in will the closet. Gi- I will give you that. I will give you that. The fact that he said that the more happier he got, the angrier she got. I think the, ang- the anger she had had, of course, baggage and hurt. behind it it's not just anger that's for sure but you know she has to go and and take care of it herself it's not kate's problem absolutely absolutely right if she wants to self-accept herself she she should go to therapy anyway the next story we're gonna hear is a different reaction for the wife why are you making this face i i just think i think that (laughs) i think that you you're you're being a little bit dismissive of the pain that occurs to a person who is largely at the beginning, uh, innocent gets into a marriage. Um, I've seen. Well, she wasn't. I've uh, seen Cade. He's a fine-looking man. Listen, and you're like, here it is. I'm gonna live my life this this idyllic life with this man. And Alex, blah, she blah, knew blah. from the get-go that he's gay. He well, told her. Okay, we're. It's not like a. It wasn't a surprise. Well, it's right. not like Philip Schofield. When it was a surprise. Look, we, you and I live in a different world than the very, very Christian community that they both grew up in, where despite the fact that you have homosexual thoughts or whatever that terminology is, you can say, but I'm committed to living a life of blah, blah, blah. I Look, I agree it's absurd, but I'm not going to blame a young woman for that. I'm just, I'm not. All right. The next story that we're going to hear, 
<laughs> Am I too mean? You're so mean. It's what I love about you. <laughs> the next story we're going to hear is, um, is, a, is a different story as far as the wife is concerned. So right. here we have uh, Josh from Canada who just recently came out. And his wife, who is his best friend, uh, was utterly supportive. That is Baird, the Gay Dad Forecast with Alex Megan and Jan Megan. Josh, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm still recovering from daylight savings time, losing that hour. But overall, I can't complain. <laughs> I was uh, almost afraid you were saying the corona. No, don't say the <laughs> coronavirus. No, no. We're yeah, recovery. right. So uh, we're here to talk about your story. Um, and yes. you recently came out. Yes, I did. And, so I, yeah. I kind of came out in phases. Like I most recently, um, at the beginning of this or beginning of February came out to my work and then I came out on Facebook, I think about like a week and a half ago or maybe two weeks ago. Wow. Mm -hmm. This is fresh. Totally fresh. Very fresh. Totally <laughs> fresh. Yes. So, yeah, so tell, tell us, um, when did you actually realize you were gay? Before you got married to a woman or after? So, I knew that I was gay from when I was, like, five years old. Um, but, I mean, I got the message very consistently in what I now kind of refer to as my cult fundamentalist <laughs> environment that I grew up in, um, that it was wrong to be gay and it was wrong, to, or, it was, or even if it wasn't wrong to be gay, it was wrong to ever act on those feelings, which right. to me, I took to mean the same thing. Um, but I knew I was gay from a very young age. Like I was, like I said, I think it was about five when I knew. And so, so you were five when you knew, and then at some point you started dating girls. Um, I'm making this up as if I know, uh, leading the witness, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, I only ever dated one person, which was my wife. <laughs> wow. Um, and so, yeah, like I never was on the dating scene. Like I never had an interest in women at all. Right. Um, but, you know, I thought it was sort of the only option or the only acceptable option. And so um, my ex actually knew that I was gay before we had gotten engaged. And so from my perspective, it was, you know, that she was willing to accept me sort of with my flaws and, you know, willing to, to, to love me in spite of it kind of a thing. And so that's, that's sort of when or in and around the time when I started doing some re reparation therapy. Um, and then that was a whole other well, <laughs> so experience in and of itself. She, she was also a very devout of the, of the same community or, uh, or not. I would say, yeah, she was of a similar community, um, but I mean, her perspective on homosexuality, I'm never able to clearly articulate it. So she asked me, even when I'm talking to my friends or family, not to really say her perspective on it because it's, it's hard for me to really understand or, or replicate. Um, but, but I will say that her knowing me now versus her knowing me while we were together, um, she said that her understanding of homosexuality has evolved for sure. Understood. And, you know, certainly that's the case for me as well. And for more obvious reasons, because I used to think horrible things about myself. I used to think I was an abomination. And I used to think if people really knew who I was deep down, um, they wouldn't love me or they wouldn't like me. Sure. And unfortunately, in part of my coming out process, you know, some family members seem to be sort of treating me that way. So, you know, my fear wasn't totally out of the out of the realm of what was actually possible. I'm sensing from you that you had the double whammy of both the fear of the response of others and also a sense of shame about who you were. 
Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm still in the process of, you know, discussing this with my counselor and I'm debating going into trauma therapy because I felt immense shame over who I was. And, you know, that really defined a large part of my relationship with my ex-spouse because every major decision that would come up uh, or, or anything that had any major consequence in our life, from my perspective, I felt I was always going to relent because who I was was a bad person right. and who I was was illegitimate. So clearly, you know, this person who's so wonderful and willing to accept me and love me for who I am, um, they're the sort of, you know, quote unquote, holy one. And so what they want should really take precedent over what I want. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it, not that I did that perfectly. I actually held a lot of resentment over my spouse because of that. And that certainly wasn't her fault. Um, but that's sort of the consequence of growing up with shame and, and growing up believing that who you are is so bad and, right. and so wrong. How, how are you now, you and your ex? Uh, we're, we're actually like best friends. So okay. I was discussing with some people in my office just yesterday. I'm like, I don't know how to refer to her because like ex has such a negative connotation and she really is my best friend still. Um, And so, you know, we call each other co-parents and, you know, based on the conversation I had with my team yesterday, they're like, just call your best friend. And if people ask questions about it, if you want to spend the time and elaborate on the whole story, go for it. But you're not obligated to, you know, I'm gay and I have two kids with my best friend. (laughs) That's kind of the short, quick version of it. That's really amazing. So how did she, how did you become best friend? Well, yeah, let's back, let's back up for a second. So you guys got married And at some point, you started to determine that this was not going to be sustainable. How? Um, I think it was easier to manage in the beginning because I was still young and impressionable. And and Lauren, again, so she knew that I was gay before we gotten engaged. But I think over time, all of those decisions where I would sort of relent and, you know, who and thinking deep down that I'm relenting because I'm a bad person and what I want is illegitimate. And so it sort of came to a head after we had a kid where I'm giving up already from my perspective, everything. And now I have to give more. And it was just, it was too much for me. It's too much for a person to do. I don't think that people should have to give up what I had to give up. And so that ultimately led to us seeing a psychologist or a counselor. And this counselor was the first person to tell me that being gay wasn't, wasn't bad and wasn't shameful. And for some reason it resonated and I was able to process quickly that it was okay to be gay and to, you know, act in ways that gay people want to act. And, and, you know, with that, and at the same time, almost in tandem, this huge rage and anger emerged in me from the Christian community that I grew up in and how fundamentalist and ignorant they are. And so I'm still dealing with the consequences of that. I don't know exactly how to reconcile it, but like I said, I'm probably going to um, start some type of trauma therapy in the near future because I've talked to a few other guys who are in my same situation and they, they said that that's been helpful for them. Right. And so I want to know more about the relationship between you and your wife because I think it's, I, I wish that, I mean, the way you talk about her, I wish that all people who come out after being married to a woman would feel like that. So right. how did it came about? Like, how did she I think it so I think well? how we're still able to have such a positive relationship with each other. And so so basically, once it came to a head and we kind of, I, I acknowledged that it wasn't bad to be shameful um, or, or sorry, it wasn't bad to be gay or it wasn't shameful to be gay. Um, we'd had a really 
hard conversation that it's not fair to me to have to sort of be in this relationship because intimacy was a, was an issue for us for obvious reasons. And, you know, I always felt like it was because I was a bad person. And so, you know, the breakup for me was emotional, but on a very different level than it was for Lauren. And, you know, from her perspective, or sorry, rather from my perspective of, of what she went through, I think the reason that she's still able to be friends with me and, and, and certainly why I'm still able to be friends with her is because we never hid anything from each other. She knew everything from the get-go. I never lived a double life. I never cheated on her. And so there was no, no surprises, no, I guess. No sense of betrayal or, or something like that. Right. Right. Yeah. No sense of betrayal, no surprises. She kind of like, she, she kind of told me before, um, earlier in our marriage that, well, why don't you just sort of leave me for a man? Isn't that what you want? And at the time, because I had been led to believe that homosexuality is a perversion and it's exclusively sexual. I'm like, well, that's not what I want. Like I would never want to be with a man because they said the ideas that are put into your head from fundamentalist Christians, it's just sexual. Right. And so hindsight's 2020. Now I realize it's not like, that's so not all of it. And, um, and so again, she had exposure through that whole process. And wow. so I think because we work together through that, I think that's why we're able to be at the place that we're at now. And I'm not going to say it's super easy where we're at now. Um, I think it's definitely a lot better that we're at least on really positive terms, but it's still hard because she is in a place where, you know, she's going to want to go one way with her life and I'm going to want to go one way with my life. And we have two kids. So we're trying to do the best we can to make it work. And fortunately, like, you know, the reason we, we started dating in the first place is we were kind of best friends before. And so we have a lot of similarities. And so those similarities are, are still a real big strength in our current relationship. Right. So just for a little bit of data, how old were you when you guys got married and how long were you guys together? So 23 when we got married and uh, last July would have been eight years, but we'd really separated last June. Got it. So during during that time, I mean, my God, 23, 25, 27 years old, um, you're married. And mm, how shall I put this? You know, a man has certain needs. And I guess right. my question is, do you feel like what had happened is you had so successfully uh, been convinced by, you know, your upbringing and, and to some extent by yourself uh, of of the, the, the perversion that it represented, et cetera, that on a day-to-day -day basis, you just didn't feel the desperation of, and I'm talking here sexually, by the way. Yeah, of, yeah, no, I know, totally. <laughs> not not having that kind of life. Yeah, I mean, I, I was totally convinced that it was a perversion, like 110%, because that's those are the lies that I was fed from such an early age. So, you know, sometimes I'm asked, well, how were you able to maintain an erection or get an erection and have sex with your spouse? And really, that's conditioning. I mean, if you look at Pavlov's dogs, they were able to salivate on uh, command of a bell ringing when there was no food present because they were classically conditioned. And so... I don't actually know the psychology behind it, <laughs> but I think that that's a similar so, psychology for how that happened with my spouse. Right. Um, and, and, and at the same time and in tandem, I had a huge porn addiction. And so that was something that was, uh, you know, a, a struggle for me during those years. And that was gay porn. 
of course, yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm asking because I actually think that's really important, right? You, you, you were engaged in, you know, homosexual fantasy. You weren't just. You had not successfully shut this part of your humanity down completely. I don't think that you can. Like, I mean, I tried. Like, right. You know, I got put on medication to decrease my libido. And, you know, nothing worked. <laughs> and and it, it makes sense because, you know, what? honestly, since since accepting that it's not shameful or bad, um, I've I've actually and not that I think looking at porn is bad at all, but I haven't done it at all. And I haven't wanted to and I haven't needed to. And it's not because I'm also out there, you know, fucking a bunch of guys. It's because I'm happy with who I am. And it's interesting, I th- I think, and I don't know, again, what the psychology is behind it. But I think there's there's some kind of um, sexual expression of shame that happens in people um, that I think I was subjected to. And now that I'm no longer subjected to that, I feel very in control of who I am and what I do. So is is that what they're doing in the conversion conversion therapy? They put you on medication? Well, wait, were you actually in conversion therapy? He said that he was. Well, he said he was considering it. I just oh. need to check. So, yeah, so I volunteered myself for um, different therapies that were focused on dealing with what I labeled at the time as an unwanted homosexual attraction. Right. I think I think you can consider conversion therapy is, is it's kind of an umbrella term for a bunch of different therapy that you can modify your sexuality. Got and it. so that's how I that's how I use that term. So. I started voluntarily when I was in my early, early 20s, I think around 20 years old. Um, and that was also a very fucked up community because like the first guy that I ever saw, he actually came on to me in session and he was oh, the geez. one saying, you know, that they, these are bad feelings and, you know, trying to deal with these. And then he came on to me. And so then I had to, you know, put an end, like we never did anything. And I, I had to, at 20 years old, you know, having this super confusing time in my life and I had to put a stop to that session and then I found an online group called setting captives free and so then I was engaging with different online therapists is what they called themselves I highly doubt they're actually therapists right and you know they would tell me basically if you ever act on those feelings you're you're on the road to becoming a pedophile right. and so that's what I was convinced would happen I'd never had any attraction towards that population whatsoever but I was terrified that that could eventually happen and so Again, further need for me to suppress who I am. Aye, aye. You know, hence the anger, because at the same time, the pastors in my church are making the same associations. They're saying, you know, the alcoholic, the pedophile, the homosexual, the sinner. Right. Like, they're putting us in the same category. And yes, there's certain Christians um, who feel that, you know, you as a person are still just as loved, but you can never act on those feelings because they're bad. Right. And I'm basically trying to tell them, well, it's the same thing. (laughs) If you think that me acting on those feelings is bad, but having them in the first place is not bad, really the consequence for me is the same. Because how can I accept and love who I am fully if a huge part of me is my sexuality and I'm never allowed to express that? So after my relationship with Lauren, I got into a relationship with a man who is my boyfriend, and he's the most wonderful man I've ever met in my life, and that was the first time that I experienced love and real intimacy. And so that was really interesting for me because those were the things that my ex had always asked me for, and I just didn't understand why I couldn't be that for her. Because, I again, I didn't think it was love-based. I thought it was 
a, devi- a deviancy in uh, in me. So just make sure that he doesn't listen to the podcast because then he'll get a big head. Don't praise, <laughs> never praise your boyfriend. Don't do that. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so how? No, I I couldn't not. He's such a wonderful guy, and I still feel that way. But we we ended up we we ended our relationship because I needed to just be me. Because the other thing is, you know, when you're in a relationship like the one that I was in before, you give up so much of yourself. Um, is I don't think I was in a healthy space to be in another long-term relationship. Right, and right. so we had to end it. It came to a head as well because I just need to be me. And so I'm single intentionally right now because I'm resetting all of myself and I'm trying to, you know, sort through some of the damage that I've, I've, I've been subjected to. How was Lauren with that relationship, if I may ask? So <laughs> that was interesting <laughs> because, so she was actually wonderful. Like it was, so when we first broke up, it was extremely, extremely hard. I mean, you could cut the tension in the room with a knife. It was so thick. Um, but she was able to process what was going on pretty quickly um, because again, she'd already known sort of before um, because she'd seen everything that I've been through, um, what this meant for me. And and she knew that I'd tried everything. And so, you know, it was really hard to go through the breakup, but she was, she was in a space within a few weeks of being way more positive at the outlook of it. Um, and so it's funny because she and my boyfriend at the time would even go out to lunch together without me because they got along really well. And he had a son. And so sometimes, you know, the three of us, so me, my best friend slash co-parent and my boyfriend will go to the movies with our combined three kids. And I'm like, wow, we look like the most millennial family of all time. <laughs> Amazing. And um, so how old are your kids? So I have a two and a half year old and then I have a two and a half month old. And so, so we really broke up, um, about a week or around the same time that we found out that Lauren was expecting our second child. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like I said, it's, it's all fucked up. (laughs) So Um, your kids, your kids. But one of the, one of the good things about it, honestly, and this is one of the areas that I've had to really focus on is I, I love my kids like crazy. And, you know, a lot of gay dads will never get the opportunity to be biological parents. And so, you know, I try to check myself and remind myself of that often while I'm going through the pain points of of dealing with this trauma. And so, you know, that's one of the really positive things about it. And, you know, Lauren wanted kids. She wanted two kids. So who's to say she wouldn't have been a surrogate mom (laughs) anyways if we were still best friends? I don't know. Um, But but it ended up, you know, that part of it is, is a positive. Did you plan anything moving forward about the co-parenting? Um, we're still trying to figure that out. Um, it's still, for me, it still feels very fresh. Like we just had a baby two and a half months ago. Um, you know, we've discussed things like building a house with two masters or buying, you know, two side-by-side duplexes with the kids' oh. room shared in the middle. So That's right lovely. now it's kind of convenient. Like our house had a basement suite when we bought it. And so we'd further um, gone through the process of suiting it. Um, and so I sleep downstairs, but even though I have a separate kitchen down there, really we all eat together and like we all still get along really well. So, so there's no need for us to really make that separation yet. Um, because again, we're still friends. We want to do this for our kids and we still like talking to each other. We're still friends. So right. it's, you know, that, that environment makes a lot of my family and, and or maybe not my family so much, but certainly Lauren's family uncomfortable. Um, there was members of her family that really thought that Lauren should just take the kids and run. 
and um, right, that, because you're being- that, that we should hate each other and that right. we shouldn't be getting along anymore because we've gone through the separation process. And so they think it's really weird. And I can see, you know, based on traditional standards, yeah, it definitely looks different. Um, but from my perspective, it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel like it feels like there's 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 an air of past trauma. Um, but there's there's nothing strange about it from my perspective. When you think about the environment that your children will grow up in, um, mm-hmm. are you at all concerned about how what what messages that they will be uh, exposed to, not from your ex and from you, but about other people around them? In my perspective is that even those fundamentalist Christian views seem to be evolving and changing now. And I'm, I feel like I'm more exposed to that the more people that I talk to outside of that original community. And so what I used to think was the world at large, to me now, seems like a very small minority, thankfully. Um, and so I'm not overly concerned about that. I think if, if my kids know that they're loved for who they are and we tell them that, I think that's going to trump any sort of lies that they'll be fed from any fundamentalists about if their dad is a bad person um, or if they themselves end up being gay, that they're bad people for some reason. Um, I think that that love will be able to sort of wash over, um, wash over that. Oh man, from your mouth to God's and everybody else's ears. To the Christian God. That everybody's. Everybody's God. Thank you so much. This was Josh, it really, was really great. wonderful. To Do you have, story. by the way, any, like if somebody, um, who is now in your situation that you were before you came out. Do you have anything to say to them? Oh, not without crying. <laughs> oh, no, we weren't crying. I think, like, I, just it's not shameful, it's not wrong, and it's also not just about lust and sex, like the Christian community has you believe it is. It's about life and living and being who you are and, and, and at least giving yourself an opportunity to find real love. I mean, a famous quote from, I don't remember who said it, but it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Well, if you're in that situation, um, you really aren't loving and you don't know what that experience is like. And it is fucking mind blowing and life changing. And, you know, both loving yourself, accepting yourself for who you are and then having the opportunity or that least chance to be in love with someone um, is worth every consequence. <laughs> That's Amazing. wonderful. Josh, thank, thank you so you much, so much tell, for your time. Tell Lauren we love her. <laughs> okay, I'll tell her that. Thank you, guys. All right, All be right. well. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, you too. Okay, bye-bye. That is good. So we're back from the interview with Josh, and I have to tell you, it's sort of like a modern Cinderella story. It's like a, a modern twist on romance and a happy ending. Because though this couple are not together, this this man and woman are not together anymore, they may actually end up live, living happily ever yeah, after. Totally. And it's beautiful. Lauren is amazing. And um, I don't know like what, what to say about her. Like she's, it takes, so we talked about the pain. So imagine yes. how much pain she, yeah. she was in when she found out or when she, she also knew from the beginning. But mm-hmm. when she accepted it, um, so it's it's a long way for her and you know to become friends and understand it and accept it. That's yeah. really deserve uh, a daddy squared medal. <laughs> oh my God! Do we give out medals now? I, That's I so great. I don't know. Look, I, I Kate's I, mom will get one. Actually, what we should totally do is we should make medals so that every gay dad can walk around when he doesn't have his kids with him. Look, I'm a gay father. 
you should be proud of me. But wait, but listen, um, I also want to point out that uh, though both of our, uh, there are two interviews are so different from each other, they do have one thing in common, which the, I think is- A couple un- of things in common. Well, one thing for sure I wanted to point out that that um, I think is probably very unusual, which is that they both Told. were open with yeah. their fiance or whoever it was before they got married. I suspect that- 98% of gay men who get married to women do not tell their betrothed ahead of time that they are gay or that they have gay thoughts or any of that kind of yeah. stuff. And they live their lives in complete secrecy. And I think that this is a a really a fascinating yeah. Surprising twist. Yeah. One other commonality is the role of religion in these both both of these stories. So not only they have their own fear and shame, it was fed up by the religious community. Right, although one can wonder whether you'd have your own fear and shame in the first place were it not for religion. I mean, their religion, Jan, yours, and my religion, there are very few religions that don't fuck the homosexual community pretty decently. Um, yeah. You know. Well... My current religion doesn't fuck. Listen, Kylie Minogue is not a religion, okay? She's a she's a lady. She's a pop goddess. Oh, good God. Cher is a religion. <laughs> Download season three Cheat Sheet now at daddysqr.com with some exclusive articles and resources that related to the topic discussed in this season. Um, it's also a good way to connect with all the people we, that were on the show during the season. If you are on our mailing list, you already received it. But if you're not, so just go on to daddysqr.com and download it's free. That is great. This is season three. Yeah. I, I can't believe we've done three seasons of this. I'm so happy that we've done yes. three seasons and it's of this. All, mostly thank to all the people who are listening to us. Really, really, really appreciate everything yeah. that you write to us and, and comment. And I don't know. I just love it. And you're up on my wall here, everybody. And... Before we talk about season four, which uh, gonna happen sometimes later this year, we're having a little bit of a surprise for you. What's that? Uh, we'll be back in the summer with Daddy Squared around the world. Uh, if you are outside of the US and you like to tell us what it's like to be a gay dad in your country, please contact us at hello at daddysqr.com. Also, any comments and idea for season four, if you want to share your story, please remember that visibility is the key to normalize. Totally. Alex, did you have anything else to say before the thank yous? Well, as we as we wind down uh, the end of season three, in the middle of this... Do you need a romantic uh, music? Should we, what should we, I'm trying to think of what it would be. I'll start singing don't be, in the background. No, don't sing in the background. As we wind down this uh, season three in the middle of this horrible global pandemic, which has um, you know, killed a lot of people and also sickened a lot of people and also isolated a lot of people, I want to first of all say thank you to my husband, who I love so much and who is my friend, for being with me in this time and taking care of our children in this time when we're all going nuts. But also I wanted to say that Daddy Squared is about celebrating the idea that gay men have families. They have families by having children. They have families by having close friends. And that we're in a modern age where family can mean so many different things. And I hope that all of you have connections with people that you love that can help you through this time uh we all need it and we all deserve it That's and right. we wish all the love and health for all of you 
I'm not going to put any music in the background no, because it's, that would be uh, it's just too, too moving by itself. <laughs> so, Alex, I, I would like to thank you for bearing up with this. With which this are we talking the, about? The, the season and the podcast. Oh, I thought you meant the global pandemic. <laughs> so, um, I... I love this thing. What yeah, do you mean me bearing up with that? I mean, it's true that because Jan does all of the production... Um, and Alex I, is he, just a diva. He uses me as a slave. He points at the microphone and says, speak now and things like that. But And shut up now. <laughs> good, luck, good luck with that. That can only be achieved in post-production. But anyway... Um, it is my pleasure and my joy to do Mine this too. With you. And I, I would like to thank everybody that we heard this season. And I feel it's like my family. Like it's a sort of a, a, in a um, virtual family. Um, so I want to thank our guest co host this season, Stephen and Spencer, and Greg and Braden. Thank you to our sponsor, Lavis Family, and make sure you check it at lavisfamily.com. Um, thank you to Scott Cruz, Daniel Vandenberg, Jesse Brun-Huran, Tommy Shackley, Stephen Patro, Ken Howard, Etta Late, Julia Denninson, Dr. Courtney Bolton, Tara Saltis, and John Charles de Oliveira Scalapatucu Scala, <laughs> from uh, Friends in Adoption, Joe Aaron Reed, Greg Yorgi Girdi, Lenore Shkenazi, Kate Bartlett, and Joshua Pedersen. All of them took part in our season. I don't think you guys who are listening recognize how amazing it is that my Israeli husband managed to get through that list of names just as successfully as, as he did, um, with the exception of... of Jean Charles. Jean Charles, who really got screwed up in that pronunciation that was very good thank you guys we're gonna see you very very soon keep in touch keep in touch Please. do you hear me keep in touch uh daddy squared season three this is it much see love bye-bye soon about having kids start your search at loveisfamily.com by orm fertility for over 30 years orm fertility has been at the forefront of fertility services providing personalized care and helping all family types grow orm are honored to be a trusted resource for the gay community on their journey to parenthood and are now sharing all they know with you at loveisfamily.com orm's expert team gives gay parents-to-be all the information they need and guides them through their unique fertility journey, providing expertise, education, and support every step of the way. 
Over a thousand gay couples and singles from all over the world have started or grown their family with ORM's support and fertility and financial expertise. Find out more at loveisfamily.com, ORM Fertility's online resource for gay dads and LGBTQ plus family building. Daddy, that's QR.com.